and welcome to podcast number 13. The next couple of weeks I'm going to be exploring putting in some depth and how we can improve our putting statistics. Irrespective of where you are in your golfing career as a beginner or an experienced player, I really believe it's the one area of the game where we can see the shortest and most significant improvement. I meet so many players who tell me if I could only putt, how different things would be. And yet, if ever there's a part of the game that is played more in the head than from the body, it has to be putting. Of course, technique's important, but the most important thing is your level of confidence. The one thing that I find heartbreaking is to meet people who despair of their putting. I mean, they truly despair of it. When you talk to them, they almost, their shoulders go down. You can just see the sense of, oh God, no, why? And you ask them what the problem is and they go, I've just lost my feel. I had a, I have a very good friend, he's from Chicago. And he handicapped was about two when I first met him and he had a great touch in the greens. I mean, just lag putts were fantastic. Everything about his game was good. Then he lost it. I mean, he lost his putting and he went from two to three to five to seven. He ended up playing like a 16 or 17 handicapper. It, you couldn't watch him putt. He tried left-handed, reverse grips, cat, cat. He tried everything. And when your confidence goes, it goes. And most people at that point reach what I call the point of despair, where they don't know what they can do to, to get it back. And I had long conversations with him about this. And he confessed that he could no longer draw the club back. He had no sense of pace on any putt at all. This may sound strange, but to those familiar with this experience, I'm sure it makes perfect sense. In his gloomier moments, my friend talked about giving up the game completely. He could see no way that he was ever going to get better. Total despair. I gave him the same advice I would give to anyone, which is accept the awful putting as a stage you are going through. Stop overanalyzing your technique. Accept bad outcomes without judging yourself as being good or bad and believe without any doubt that you will see an improvement. Six months later, he'd returned to his earlier good form. He stopped searching for something he thought he had lost and began trusting what he had. He believed in himself. As the feelings of despair subsided, his confidence grew, his touch returned, and he began to play more instinctively. Failure to improve is never final unless we accept it as being so. I find it remarkable that players will tell me when they have a bad um, period of putting, they just say, well, that's it, it's over, I'm never coming back. And I ask them, when you're playing spectacularly well off the tee, when you're splitting every fairway with superbly struck drives, you know it's not going to last. You know that and you accept it. And yet when you have a bad patch of putting or your short game goes through a bad patch, you decide, that's it. That's it forever. I'm finished. I'm ruined. You're not. I'd like to talk a little bit before we introduce the next podcast, which will be on the detail of putting, about a fellow called Willie Park Sr.
He was a Scottish golf professional in the very early days of the game. He was one of the pioneers of the game. Born in 1833, Park began his working life as a caddy and, like so many of his fellow golfers, he was self-taught. He was one of the outstanding players of his generation. He won the Open Championship four times between 1860 and 1875, a long time to stay at the top of the game. For all his professional success, Park is best remembered by golf historians for his putting. He played the game when the equipment was much less sophisticated and he used a ball known as a feathery. This was a ball made of pieces of leather stitched together, filled with bird feathers, hammered into a round shape then coated with paint. Can you imagine? The balls were incredibly expensive, they were handmade and no two balls were exactly alike. They looked alike, but they didn't necessarily weigh the same and they were not perfectly spherical. In Park's day, they didn't play on lightning fast manicure greens of today. They played on greens which were more akin to your back garden lawn being mown twice a week. And yet for all that, he was the greatest putter of his age. When Park died in 1903, his obituary in Golf Illustrated said of his putting, here, he was not merely good, not merely excellent, but brilliant. So deadly was he when he was within three or four yards of the hole. From under 12 feet, Park was considered to be deadly accurate and someone who did not miss. Boy, oh boy, how would you like that in your uh, eulogy? You're a brilliant putter. I'm sure most of us would be quite content if they said that. Park delivered the now legendary quotation and insightful truth about putting when he said, a man who can putt is a match for anyone. This was from a golfer who played the game 150 years ago. Using the basic equipment of his day, he still appreciated that the player who can putt will win matches and tournaments. Park's analysis of putting is still true today. So, how many of you are happy with your putting? As I talk to golfers of different abilities, I find that few putt to any degree of personal satisfaction. This leads to disappointment, which can in turn lead to the despair we spoke of earlier. The despairing golfer believes that they can never get better. This belief is not a fact. But as long as they hold it to be true, it will sabotage their ability to improve. There's an old saying, I will believe it when I see it. When it comes to transforming our games and escaping frustration and even despair, the opposite is true. When we believe it, we will see it. This may sound like a new age soundbite, but belief before behavior is a significant principle of performance development. Think of an Olympic gold medalist, a first-time major winner, a teenager learning to drive, or a chef cooking a new dish. Before any of these achievements are realized, there needs to be a belief that it can be done. Putting is a part of the game most influenced by our confidence and self-belief. If I were to watch a match between a player with a solid putting stroke but low confidence and a confident player with a poor technical ability on the green, 
I would bet on the confident player to triumph. We must drop any negative thoughts we have about ourselves as poor putters. Such thoughts become barriers to improvement. They will keep us locked in a cycle of low expectation which will soon manifest itself on the green as bad putting. On the other hand, the confident player will continue to putt with a positive expectation in spite of any technical imperfections. If we think of ourselves as poor putters, this will become a belief, an unconscious and repeated behaviour. It doesn't need to be so. Any habit we have learned, we can unlearn. We can become more aware of the way we think and the language we use in our inner monologue out on the course. Let's pay no attention to negative thoughts. Let's simply banish them from our minds. As we stand over a putt, we must be positive. In our mind, we should visualise a ball following the line we have chosen and hear the sound of the ball hitting the tin. This sounds simple, and it is. Because it is, form follows function. As we think, so we perform. If we think positively, we are likely to perform positively. I'm not suggesting that simply adopting this positive attitude to putting will see us sink every five-foot putt we undertake, but I can guarantee that this major attitudinal change will begin to work immediately and that we will see improvement. If we are, in, if we are willing to invest the time to master the mental game on the green, we'll become better putters. So that's it for this week's podcast. The next podcasts, the next four or five podcasts are all going to be about putting, about technique, mental conditioning, exercises. If you're genuinely interested in learning more about developing yourself, I have a 13-week online program. It can be accessed by going to www.seegergolf.com and you'll get 13 weeks. There are different levels and if you want to work with me on a one-to-one -one basis, that can be discussed through private emails as I'm fairly busy these days. But we do have different programs available. So if you'd like to learn more, go to the website. Otherwise, I look forward to speaking to you next week. All the best.